rain deceived me. All the parks, trees, slopes, and ridges looked exactly alike. I was lost, and as the shadows began trooping down the aisles of the forest, I decided to find a place to camp before darkness overtook me. On the morrow, if the sun shone enough to give me my direction, I could get out easily. Shortly after that decision, I came to the brow of a ridge from which I gazed down into a small park, perhaps a score or more acres in extent. On the far side, at the base of the slope, I could see a log cabin sitting black and strange against the golden blaze of quaking asps. A vacant and eye-like door peered up at me forbiddingly. The park, with its lonesome manifestation that someone had lived there sometime, was a welcome sight. I found a dim, grass-grown trail leading down. My horse, White Stockings, snorted his approval of the green-carpeted pasture. I heard running water. It appeared that the old log cabin sat back against a lichened cliff from the tip of which hung wet ferns and scarlet-leaved vines. The roof of split shakes was intact and covered by a thick layer of moss and pine needles. I dismounted and walked around, thrilled by the place. From under the base of the cliff boiled a magnificent spring, ten feet wide and as deep. It was the source of the brook I had forded. One of the most superb silver spruce trees that I had ever seen towered over the cabin with its top above the cliff. To the left, and verging right on the west side of the cabin, was a grove of quaking asps that even in the rain and gathering twilight blazed white and gold. Every leaf quaked as if still alive and shuddering in a last agony. This struck me so singularly, even in that moment of satisfaction at my prospective shelter for the night, that I looked again and gazed long. Aspen trees in the fall are remarkably beautiful. They were my favorites of the high timber belts. But somehow my reaction was not as usual. Unsaddling my horse, I halted him with a long lasso to a bush which marked a luxuriant grass plot, and packed my saddle, blankets, canteen, and rifle to the cabin. I carried them in and deposited them upon the floor. This proved to be an exception to the majority of cabins I had entered. It had been built of rough-hewn boards and was still solid. A strong odor of bear mingled with the musty scent of dust and pine. The single room was about twenty feet square, with a fireplace and chimney of yellow rock built against the west wall. Here, too, my quick survey grasped a good job of masonry, still intact except for crumbling corners of the fireplace. My need was a fire for light and warmth. It behooved me to rustle dry wood while I could see to find it. There was a loft half across the ceiling and a ladder flat against the wall led up to it. I thought I might tear out some of the poles, but I found an old built-in bedstead of peeled poles in a corner, and it was covered with a layer of pine needles. From here the smell of bear emanated pungently. My hand found a round depression where a Bruin had made his bed. I did not relish the idea of a grizzly returning home to find his bed occupied, but there was no help on it. Only a mean bear would resent my occupancy. In another corner I found a pile of faggots and pine cones as dry as tinder. All set! I soliloquized with satisfaction, wondering who had gathered that firewood and how long ago. Soon I had a fire blazing on the hearth, and it made a vast difference. I went outside and filled my canteen with water from the spring. It was as cold as ice, and like all the water in that wonderful region came from snow water running through granite. I had in my coat a big sandwich, 
a biscuit with a generous slice of venison. Also, I had a piece of chocolate, but this I chose to save for the next day. Sitting in front of the warm fire, I made my supper and it was sufficient. After that, I put on more wood and dried my coat and saddle blankets upon which I had been sitting. Once more, warm and dry, with hunger and thirst satisfied, I felt comfortable. Nevertheless, as one might have supposed, I was neither tired nor sleepy. Furthermore, the old cabin intrigued me, so thrillingly at first, and then, as I began to study its features and to think, so peculiarly that I marveled greatly and sought to analyze the reason. It was already a foregone conclusion that I would put this cabin in one of my stories. Strange to record, I never did until now, and I am sure when this one is read, my readers will not wonder. By the light of the fire I made out details. The cabin was very old, but as it had been remarkably well and solid...